0: Edition of the show before the show podcast from milb.com, episode number 163. I am Tyler Mon, Sam Dykstra in New York City. We're talking all things minor league baseball in our first post draft episode of the show for 2018. Hello, Sam.
1: Hi, Tyler. Hi, how are you?
0: How was the draft, by the way? You got to be there in Secaucus, New Jersey at MLB Network on Monday. How was it?
1: Well, I, I waited and I waited and I waited and I waited, and then the night was over, and Rob Manfred hadn't called my name. Unbelievable. So. I don't know why I was there.
0: We had such high hopes this year for you.
1: I know, right? Weird, like and this
0: happen, is finally.
1: I don't even want to count how many years I've been draft eligible now, but it's it's too many to not hear my name called and I'm frankly disappointed.
0: At some point, man, you just uh, just reach the age where you realize I don't think the calls ever coming.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, so, that's instead happens. I got to go and cover the event, which is also pretty hey, cool. Hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, so There were six different guys there in attendance uh, Monday night, and it's really neat just to see them and uh, see their dream kind of realized in a room like that. And, uh, you know, this isn't like the NBA draft or the NFL draft where there are much bigger uh, groups that get to go, and a lot of that has to do with with the NCAA playoffs are are going on right now, and and guys are kind of preoccupied with that uh, from the college ranks. But, um, you know, some of the really cool cheering sections were there um you know I, I I think one of them Tristan Cassis said that he bumped up against the limit for the amount of people you were allowed to bring I didn't know there was a limit um so when he heard his name called to the Red Sox at number 26 uh he it just w- went off like he was the number one overall pick so it was really neat uh really fun to be there and and be a part of that whole process
0: Um, The guy who I felt a little bit bad for when they were first announcing um, who was in attendance at the MLB Network Studios in Chicago, New Jersey, Alec Bone, the third baseman from Wichita State, they said his name and it was dead silent. Yes. Yeah. and then all of a sudden they said actually I think it was Tristan Cassis right after him and the place went nuts and I was like wait a minute where was Alec Boone's contingent what happened here <laughs> I felt so bad
1: Alec that's the moment I realized that Tristan Cassis had that many people there um, but also like nobody really knew if they were supposed to be reacting it, it kind of felt like high school graduation in that way
0: yeah yeah that's like, true. you're kind
1: of told not to clap raw, but then somebody true breaks and, you, and <laughs> you have to do it for everybody and,
0: hold your applause until yeah. the last. nope not gonna happen um, yeah, well, uh, it seems like it must have been a fun time. And uh, we're going to talk about the MLB draft coming up here momentarily. Thanks for tuning in to the show before the show from MILB.com. Every week we're with you talking about minor league baseball, and you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, the Stitcher app, uh, some other app that somebody told us about one time recently. And uh, you can find us on MILB.com slash podcast as well to catch up on all things past on the show before the show. And you can get in touch with us as well. Podcast at MILB.com and uh, send us your questions, your thoughts, your comments, your concerns, and we will do our best to address them. And with that, strike one on three strikes for this week's episode. And we're going to kick things off talking about the draft and just some overall impressions. Uh, The opening selection of the draft, no surprise, really. Casey Mize, the right-handed pitcher from Auburn University, not selected out of high school, taken as the first overall pick as a junior in college pretty ridiculous Joey Bart goes second to the San Francisco Giants the catcher from Georgia Tech third baseman Alec Boehm of Wichita State goes to the Philadelphia Phillies at number three at number four Oregon State second baseman slash shortstop Nick Madrigal went to the Chicago White Sox Jonathan India the third baseman from the University of Florida went to the Cincinnati Reds at number five and Jared Kellenick was the first prep pick off the board the outfielder from Wisconsin who was the first Wisconsin prep pick to ever go in the top ten picks in the a- draft but the first high schooler selected this year uh Ryan Weathers to San Diego left-handed pitcher from Tennessee at number seven Carter Stewart right-handed pitcher from high school in Florida at number eight to the Atlanta Braves Kyler Murray the quarterback slash outfielder for the University of Oklahoma goes to the Oakland Athletics at number nine and at number 10 one of the best names in the draft Travis Swaggerty of the University of South Alabama the outfielder went to the Pittsburgh Pirates so those are the top 10 as like if the official dog of the Minor League Baseball podcast runs in and shakes her collar to say hello. But Sam, give me just kind of your, uh, your impressions of the first round um, and really the first couple of days. We're recording this on day three of the draft on Wednesday, but what is just your breakdown of what you've seen in 2018 so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, running through those top 10 picks and in strike two, we'll get into some of the surprises. So, you know, I'll hold off on some of those for that. But um, it. The kind of interesting thing about this is that it wasn't really all that surprising. I mean, Mize is somebody you know who we talked on the show last week, was tied to the Tigers at 1-1 for a long time. He was widely accepted to be the number one overall talent in the draft. Um, so this kind of was a normal draft in that sense. There wasn't that drama of, you know, were the Tigers trying to save money for later picks or, or something like that. They had the first overall pick. They went with the top talent, uh, you know, you plug Mize into that system that is already pretty right-handed pitching heavy. Uh, Franklin Perez, Matt Manning, Bo Burrows, last year's first-round pick Alex Fado. Uh, these are all guys who are their top prospects right now. Mize slots in there somewhere. Um, I think he would probably be the top prospect in that system right now over Perez uh, because of his plus-plus splitter and uh, his really good fastball and slider. But uh, you know, it. If you wanted to get into a game, if this was another sport of do they draft for need or something like that, you already have a bunch of right handed pitchers. Do you need another one? It's not how this works. Uh, chances are, you know, two, three, four, maybe all five don't work out and you want to give your chance, yourself a chance at developing a true ace um, somewhere in that mix. They may have one. Uh, Perez has looked like one at times. Fado is having a really strong start to the year in the FSL. Uh, Burrows was in the Futures game last year, pumping heat. Manning, you know, is still very raw, but has all the pieces there and the physical tools as well. Um, so, you know, the Tigers definitely got better by taking Mize at one. Bart at number two to the San Francisco Giants. Again, something that kind of just made sense, uh, given the way everybody was kind of tying the Giants to Bart. Um, Feels a little bit of a a safe pick. I'll I'll be honest on that front. Uh, I would not say he's necessarily the number two overall talent. Uh, as much as everybody agreed that Mize is number one, uh, there's a lot more disagreement on who's number two. So the Giants, you know, could go any different direction. They go with Bart, who is definitely the best all-around catcher in this group. Uh, really good, really strong defensively. Uh, will throw out his fair share of runners, uh, and that will only, you know, improve as he enters the pro ranks, gets to work with some, you know, catching coordinators and that type of stuff. But developed into a really strong hitter as, as well as in his time at Georgia Tech. Uh, Boehm at three to the Phillies, Magical at four to the White Sox, and India at five to the Reds. Uh, you know, it's, it was notable that the top five teams all went college picks. Uh, you know, I was talking to our editor, Paige Schechter, about that and how that's that's kind of rare. Sometimes teams this high, they they want to go for the high schoolers, the prep guys who, you know, they are raw. It's going to take a while to develop, but you'll have them longer in, their, in your own system. You can kind of mold them in the way you want. Uh, these top five teams going with guys who, you know, the last three years have matured as college players, uh, a little bit safer in that direction. I think that speaks a little bit more to the to the class. You know, if Hunter Green was in this mix, Royce Lewis, Mackenzie Gore, they're all probably talked about in that top five mix uh, from last year. There just wasn't somebody of that caliber this year to kind of break through Jared Kelenic, like you mentioned to the Mets. Uh, was the top high schooler picked in, in this year's draft. Uh, that still seems about right that he went, you know, number six in the Mets. So really interesting group uh, this year. Kind of interesting that there, there weren't the surprises, but uh, two, you know, teams that I, I was looking at going in between the Royals and the Rays, uh, you know, they have the two biggest bonus pool structures kind of going into the draft because of their compensation picks and how they got to make selective, consecutive selections there after the first round that helps build out their profile for who they can take. Uh, they looked at a little bit, uh, the Royals did with Brady Singer, who a lot of people thought was going to be the top overall talent in the draft coming into the year. He slid back a little bit after, you know, it was, it was still a still really strong year. Uh, you know, in his junior campaign at the University of Florida, he was named a Golden Spikes uh, you know, finalist today, actually. So he still did really well, just didn't quite show the same stuff. Uh, he falls to the Royals at 18. Uh, the Rays get Matthew Libertor, who I know you saw last year, Tyler, in the yeah. 18 and under. Is it under 18 or 18 and under World Cup? I think it was under 18 yeah, and under. It's
0: technically called u 18, but it's players up to the age of 18.
1: Okay. Uh, he's a left-handed pitcher out of Arizona, I think he threw a shutout or threw six scoreless innings in the gold medal game of that. He's shown basically everywhere that he can handle, uh, you know, a, a big atmosphere. Uh, falls to the Rays at 16. So both of those organizations, you know, who are willing to take a risk, have potentially top 10 talents fall to them anyways. And there is no question about signability at this point. They'll do what they need to do to bring those guys into the fold. Um, so. Yeah, everything I was kind of looking at coming into the draft kind of fell into the places that we expected. Um, That said, there were some surprises, and we'll get into them here in, in strike two. But anything stand out to you, Tyler, about first day, second day, third day now that we're here?
0: No, I mean, I thought, um, you know, the run on really high level college talent, like you said, was kind of interesting. It just seemed like it was a, a, a class in which high school talent has maybe a similar ceiling to everything that we've seen in years past, but not necessarily as easy of a pathway or guys who are developed quite as high right now uh, in their tools and where they would fit as professional ball players. So the fact that it was, you know, right out of the gate, it's five straight college guys to go. And it really was college players dominating the first round throughout um, was pretty interesting. Interesting, But, yeah, it seemed like a, a relatively straightforward draft. I mean, we have seen at times in recent years, you know, picks that just kind of come out of nowhere, especially high, you know, whether it's pick number one or pick number three in the top ten, something like that, um, where you're not really expecting a guy to go where he did. Uh, the guy who I think probably intrigues, most people right now is Kyler Murray because of what he presents as far as being a two-way athlete. Um, the, the Oakland athletics have already said they're very excited to become Oklahoma Sooners fans. Um, but he's a guy who's expected to inherit the program at Oklahoma from Baker Mayfield and and play quarterback in Norman. And this is not anything unprecedented by far. I mean, Russell Wilson was a a minor league ball player as well as being a college quarterback, um, during his time at, at NC state in Wisconsin. Um, so it's something that can be done and whether or not kyler murray chooses to go that route if he's drafted with the ninth overall selection i would imagine he's going to sign and play baseball Uh, that's a slot value of over four and three quarters of a million dollars four thousand four million seven hundred and sixty one thousand five hundred dollars is a slot value for that pick and you know when you're um playing college athletics yeah it's fun to play college athletics Five million dollars is probably more fun, so um, we'll see which way Kyler Murray goes. But that's going to be a fun one to watch. I'm really interested in that situation.
1: Yeah, no, that was that was really surprising. To be honest with you, that he went that high at, at number nine to the A's. Um, you know, the A's must have seen something they really, really like, and part of that is again he is raw you know there's still a lot to mold there and i think that could be potentially exciting for oakland um you know what's going to happen with him when he is focusing on on baseball exclusively we won't know that for another year it sounds like uh you know he said strictly i'm going back to norman to play football in the fall and you know as you mentioned we've seen that work out for guys before and I know Amir Garrett even doing basketball uh it's also possible so you know there are ways to get around that how they work exactly I'm not a lawyer so I'm really surprised that you are allowed to sign a professional contract and still technically be an amateur athlete according to the the NCAA's
0: rules on everything else it seems kind of bizarre
1: right but hey all the better for him I'm all for guys having options and and doing whatever they want and in that room uh on Monday was Bo Jackson um which I thought was really cool and uh you know Murray didn't fall to the Royals that would have been really interesting if he went to the same organization Bo went to but he does get to go to Oakland so there is something a little little kind of cool there um maybe he'll play for the Chiefs so we can go
0: Kansas City on the football side to Oakland on the baseball uh, side. There we go. Things. He, he there you go.
1: pulls a reverse bow, I there guess. There you go. Uh,
0: yeah. By the way, Kyler Murray this year in 51 games for the Oklahoma Sooners batted 296-398, um, and there is uh, a 556 lugging percentage to go along with that. So pretty solid numbers in uh, 51 games for Oklahoma and a guy who obviously the athleticism is off the charts with him. And I think it'll be – Interesting to see... If Kyler Murray, what we saw with Anthony Alford is a guy who um, most recently, as far as prospects go, um, probably had to have this conversation with himself and the people around him, but was playing football, was playing baseball, and eventually came to the crossroads where he decided, I'm not going to be able to do one of these at a high level. What do I have to choose? This going into this year um, for Kyler Murray, how this season goes in Norman on the football field, I wonder how much that's going to dictate what he does going forward um, for a potential baseball career or uh, or sticking it out with football. Um, but, yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see. I also don't know how – you know, if Kyler Murray signs for a signing bonus of $4.5 million, goes and plays one year of baseball and then decides, nah, I'm going to do football, do you get to keep all that money? <laughs> how does that work?
1: I mean, That'd if you sign it, I, I would think so. I would think so, right? I mean, remember a couple of years ago, you know, Jeff Samarja is a pretty good example. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, somebody who tried out football and then decided to give baseball a full – Time Uh, The Orioles drafted Patrick Connaughton, also out of Notre Dame. Do you remember this? Back in 2014, they took him in the fourth round, and he was considered a better basketball player than than a baseball player, but they allowed him to make six appearances for Class A short season Aberdeen that year. He eventually went pro as a basketball player, so... It, as much as we love to see guys stick you know alfred is one of those and again i'll go back to amir garrett he's also stuck and is a major leaguer now so it's worked out uh it's still possible that they could go the other way um I, personally i am somebody who would prefer not to potentially get a concussion week in and week out um but that's why i cover baseball not football
0: that's true those football writers. They deal with the concussions the same way. Strike <laughs> <laughs> two so this week. We kind of covered it a little bit um, in one of them anyway with Kyler Murray. But biggest surprises from the draft this year, Sam, what stood
1: out? Yeah, I mean, all these things we are talking about with Murray, you know, could have been possibilities anywhere. Like, you know, I don't think he was necessarily a top 20 talent, Not certainly not a top 10 talent. So for him to get popped at number nine, uh, just really stood out to me because, like I said, everything was so predictable to that point. Uh, maybe Ryan Weathers going at number seven to the Padres was a little bit of a shock, but at least he was definitely first-round talent. Uh, I, I would not have been surprised if Murray dropped all the way to the second round. Uh, just because it is so raw, there is a lot you're going to need to work with uh, him on. Uh, the plus-plus feed is there. As Tyler mentioned, You know, he's got some power to him. Um, but it's going to take a while to get that going, and there's the possibility he, he could get injured. You know, he is going to be playing another sport in the fall and if you, you don't have control of that. Uh, it's one thing to, to sign somebody and they get hurt in the GCL or the AZL. It's another if, if you're not around them and you don't have your trainers with them and they don't get to use your facilities and all that. It's a, it's a whole new risk. Uh, so to see the A's take that risk it, it was – Surprising to say the least and and interesting in in terms of their draft strategy. Um, A couple other ones that I was really surprised about. uh, Again, Libertor falling to 16, Brady Singer especially falling to 18. I thought Singer was locked on at the first dozen maybe. um, So to see him go all the way down there. But in that same range, Jordan Adams going at number 17 to the Los Angeles Angels. uh, I'm pretty sure either the Rays or the Royals with their large bonus pools would have loved to have seen him fall into the kind of compensation round, that round after the first round, Uh, because, you know, he's definitely a first-round talent. A lot of questions about him in terms of is he going to stick to baseball. Uh, His dad is the defensive line coach at the University of North Carolina. He was committed to play both baseball and football at UNC, Uh, one of the most talented wide receivers, you know, based on what you read about high school talents and football uh, in the country. And then he gets – picked number 17 to the Angels. Uh, It sounds like he's definitely going to sign. It sounds like that's basically his route now. The Angels taking him. He's a very athletic outfielder, um, you know, nearly top of the line speed. uh, You know, how it's going to, translate and what he's going to do with the bat we'll have to figure that out but this is already an organization as we've said many times that has joe adele brandon marsh as their recent first round picks athletic outfielders and oh yeah they took that mike trout guy a couple years back too if there's an organization that knows how to turn raw outfielders into very good outfield prospects it is the angels throwing adams into that mix uh, was surprising, but also very exciting. I'm really interested to see what they can do with him. Uh, the the one,
0: Jordan Adams went viral a couple of years ago with one of the most insane dunks. It wasn't in a oh, game, so but nuts. he just, like, dunked one-on-one on a kid. And I think it was a Vine originally, back when the only good thing that Twitter ever did, creating Vine, and then they destroyed it. But um, I'm pretty sure it was a Vine that somebody posted several years ago of Jordan Adams just destroying a kid. He looked like dunk. he was floating it was ridiculous it's like one of the mo- like one of those things you think like there's no way that that's physically possible the way you just did this to a human right i ridiculous
1: i think i don't know if it was sports science or something like that a couple years ago did one on dunks and how guys look like they're hovering yeah and it's because like you make contact and you think that they're going to go down but because they made contact they stood in the air a little bit longer uh, it's you know, one of those it's, and it's, it's just definitely so
0: one of those yeah 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 it was it's up okay. there with
1: the, the monte harrison hype video
0: yeah yeah
1: you remember really that Go, go YouTube that as well. YouTube both of those. They're, they're crazy exciting. Uh, the one other one I just want to throw out there real fast, Seth Beer, uh, for th- basically three years now, uh, has did been – Did not
0: go to the Brewers.
1: Big Did design. not go to the Brewers, Except which kills all of us. Uh, did not go to the Arizona Diamondbacks because I wanted to see him play for the Hillsborough Hops. Ah, I know. It's, it's unfortunate. Uh, goes to did the Houston Astros. He's not
0: going to play in Coors Field.
1: No, nah, man. There's so many possibilities that just – Everybody failed us on this one. We'll stop.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we'll stop with these.
1: Uh, he goes to the Houston Astros at number twenty-eight. Um, what's surprising to me about that is a couple things. Beer is a hitter. He's a hitter first and foremost. Was one of the best hitters in college as a freshman. One of the best hitters in college as a sophomore. Uh, was very very good this year. Hit three hundred one with a four fifty six OBP, six forty two slugging percentage, twenty two homers, uh, struck out. 36 times walked 54 times all crazy stuff no clue what he's going to do defensively Uh, i think they announced him as an outfielder probably going to be moving to first base don't even know if he can really play there very little speed to talk about i don't even call it speed i would say the ability to move his body is not very quick um probably a dh long-term good i guess that he goes to houston he goes to an al team um but you usually don't really value dh only types in this way uh the astros we usually think of as a forward-thinking team um doing things that are unexpected in in, you know different ways of oh i hadn't noticed that everybody knew about seth beer so that so unless they're discovering something we even we don't know uh I'll be interested to see how they exactly can develop him. Uh, he doesn't have a track record with wood bats. He played for Team USA last summer, really struggled then without aluminum in his hand. So, uh, you know, to see the Astros, who I think are a smarter organization, obviously they're the World Series champs, uh, to be the ones to take a chance on Seth Beer with their first pick uh, is, is really something. And, you know, we'll have to see with what they do exactly with him going forward defensively, where they put him next year, Is he somebody that they, you know, allow to take his time because of defensive issues? Or do they just throw him in double-A Corpus Christi and see how he kind of goes from there? I could see a couple different ways they might try to develop Seth Beer. But Seth Beer is now a Houston Astro, uh, and it's now on the Astros to take his bat and to mold into something – as impressive as it was in college
0: yeah he's sort of we've seen this a little bit in recent years with uh prospects that have in some cases graduated and stuck in the major leagues um you know and, and guys for example there was a story we wrote last night for the site in which dan vogelbach popped up dan vogelbach had a grand slam last night for the triple a tacoma rainiers from the seattle mariners organization and he's been up and down from the major leagues this year but one of those guys as well who uh is not really a an athlete in terms of the presentation of himself as a full ball player. He's a hitter and a guy who can get the job done a little bit defensively, but more often than not, he's just going to be looked at as a hitter. Um, Kyle Schwarber is the other one who really comes to mind, who was the fourth overall selection back in 2014. The thing that's so interesting about those couple of guys though, as compared with, Uh, Somebody like Seth Beer is... Kyle Schwarber, I know, coming out of school was graded, I think, as a 65 hit tool. uh, Something like that, 60 to 65 hit tool. Seth Beer's a 50 hit tool with 55 power, which is nothing to scoff at. But it's not as though this is a generational hitting talent. This isn't a, a Vlad Guerrero type of hitter who is getting selected so high that you think like well obviously the bat's going to carry him pretty easily that's not necessarily the case with Seth Beer so that is going to be an interesting one to watch with him going at the 28th overall selection of the Astros but you know the Astros have proven us wrong more often than not so uh, I'm sure they've got a, a pretty specific plan for Seth Beer and his development in that organization um, and just as a uh, as a note Um, All of you should probably check the roles as well, because, of course, according to this 2015 story, quote, according to a report released Wednesday by the University of Iowa, 87 percent of Americans are currently unaware that they have been selected in the later rounds of the 2015. (laughs) draft. That's from The Onion. Uh, The quote from study author Angelo Crawford was, quote, for example, several hundred thousand Americans are now part of the Baltimore Orioles organization and have been assigned to the single A Delmarva Shorebirds over in Maryland. They just don't know it. So, don't uh, ignore phone calls. If an unknown number pops up, it could be anybody. As in this story, Billy Bean calling seven million Americans who were ignoring his phone call. So you may have been selected. <laughs> just give it a check. Um, strike theory this week. Oh, go ahead.
1: No, no, I, I just I may have told this story before, but I always love to tell it around draft time. Is that like growing up as a kid? I thought you could just declare for a draft,
0: <laughs> like, like Michael, like Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy by just walking into a room and yelling it. Yeah. Me.
1: I would just, at the time, I would just send something to Bud Selig and say, like, hey, I'm eligible for the draft. By the
0: way, I'm in this now.
1: Yeah, and by doing so, they would have to put you into the video game. (laughs) You might not be taken, but, like, you're technically in the system. Yeah. So you would be the worst, like, Madden player, the worst whatever. (laughs) But you would be in the video game, and that was my dream, and it just never happened.
0: That would be, uh, you know, there's always next year, Sam. There's always next year. It's a possibility. And you might be sitting out there thinking to yourself, I was a fairly decent high school ball player. There are 40 rounds in the Major League Baseball draft. Surely I am as good as one of these kids picked in the 40th round. Uh, You're not. You're not. Just, we'll put it that way. The kids, even the 40th round picks, even the last picks in the draft are probably worlds better than you were as a ball player. And I'm speaking mostly to myself in this conversation. Um, Strike three this week, Sam. We will uh, continue along in the minor league conversation, move away from the draft. All-star team announcements have started to roll in from across the minor leagues, the Florida State League, Midwest League, Southern League. Um, Take us through the FSL and the Midwest League. Midwest League is the most recently released of these three, but I'll talk a little bit about the Southern League. Tell us about those other two.
1: Yeah, so the the Midwest League I really like because it's got Royce Lewis, who was the number one overall pick last year, uh, but also Alex Kirilov, um, both of those guys are on the West Division roster uh, in, in the Midwest League. Uh, very promising starts to to their career for several reasons. Royce Lewis, this is his first full season. You know, drafts first overall last year. Got a little bit of time to see Rapids. left at the end of last season. Uh, returns there this year, turns into an all-star. Hitting for a solid average, showing the positive speed that we all thought he would have. Um, doing – at the time, like you mentioned earlier, Tyler, of – you know, sometimes there are surprises at number one overall. He was kind of in that category, uh, beating out Mackenzie Gore, Hunter Green, Brendan McKay, whatever. Um, but he, you know, he's turned into one of the best talents of that draft class so far. Uh, and to see him get rewarded in this way is not a surprise, but still pretty cool. Uh, with Alex Kirilov as well, he was somebody we had on the podcast almost two years ago. At this point, uh, when he was a first-round pick back in 2016. It was supposed to be his first full season last year. He ended up having Tommy John surgery before the season began. Uh, Missed all of 2017. Comes back 2018. Has not missed a beat whatsoever. He's hitting 330 currently with 11 homers in 54 games. That works out to a 984 OPS. Uh, You know, one of the best bats in that league. You know, as a position player, Tommy John surgery isn't necessarily as scary. You don't need your elbow for as much. It's it's much easier to recover. And your livelihood isn't based on the health of that elbow. But still, to miss a year's worth of at-bats uh, for a high school player, you know, he's still only 20 years old. Uh, and to see him dominate in the way he has has been really exciting. So over there on the Midwest Side, I'm really gonna be paying attention to that West division roster when that game is eventually played Uh, on the FSL side I got to write this up when Rosters were announced. I'm particularly paying attention to this North division outfield roster Uh, They've got Daz Cameron TJ Friedel, Christian Pache and Taylor Trammell Uh, You could put two of those guys in an outfield and I'm pretty sure they would cover the entire thing It's an incredibly athletic outfield. It's one made of legit prospects Uh, TJ Friedel might be the least prospecty of that group, and that's certainly saying something. Pache might be one of the best center fielders you're ever gonna see at any level, regardless of you know whether it's low a, whether it's the major leagues. The guy covers a lot of ground in center field. A lot of that is speed, a lot of that is really good reads. Uh, he could really put on a show in a kind of all-star type atmosphere, but Daz Cameron, kind of the similar way. Uh, really, really good defensive outfielder, kind of like his dad in that way. Uh, has been a, you know, a positive hitter this year in his first year, first full year anyway, in the Tiger system after coming over from the Astros in last year's Justin Verlander trade. And Taylor Trammell, uh, the Daytona Tortugas, is actually the only top 100 prospect in that group. Uh, again, a guy with plus plus speed. Doing a really job, good job of hitting and getting on base this year uh, with a 304 average and a 412 OBP. Uh, powers <clears throat> coming along a little bit for him. It's never going to be a really big tool for him, but he has hit six homers in 48 games, and this is the FSL. So it is pitchers' parks. All across the Sunshine State. Uh, so, if you ever want to see one group of, of players, maybe outside the futures game, that is very prospect-packed, I'll look at this FSL North outfield and get very excited. So, uh, you know, if you're able to catch that game, I think it's in Tampa this year. Uh, if you're able to get to Steinbrenner Field uh, uh, in Tampa on June 16th. Be sure to watch that North Division. I don't know how they're going to work out playing time amongst those four, but no matter what, the three you see out in that North Division outfield are definitely going to be prospects.
0: In the Southern Minnesota. League, uh, things kind of begin and end with Aloy Jimenez, and I mean that in an existential sense. No, um, but Aloy Jimenez is the guy who really headlines the North Division All-Stars, which is a really, really talented roster, but he's going to be part of an outfield group that includes Lamont Wade of the Minnesota Twins organization. Jamie Westbrook, who's a prospect that um, is kind of, I think, feels like now flying a little bit under the radar in the, the Arizona Diamondback system, but has put together an impressive season so far. Um, joining Aloy Jimenez from the Birmingham Barons, both catchers from the Barons are the catching representatives on the North Division all star Zach Collins, a highly ranked prospect in that organization. Sebi Zavala also... Not often that you see a catcher and his backup catcher make an all-star roster, but a a pretty impressive pair there. Um, Thomas Hatch, the Tennessee Smokies, and the Chicago Cubs organization, one of the pitchers on the roster of the North Division All-Stars, along with some intriguing names on that group. Genesis Cabrera with the Montgomery Biscuits, a left-hander who turned in a terrific outing his last time out in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. But the arms on the North Division – aren't the storyline like they are on the South Division side. The South Division boasts guys like Tukey Toussaint, uh, Nick Nader of the, well, Tukey of the Atlanta Braves organization, Nick Nader of the now Miami Marlins organization, um, Curie Mella of the Pensacola Blue Wahoo, who's a guy with a very lively arm, Griffin Canning of the Mobile Bay Bears. Um, so some really interesting pitchers in that mix. Uh, on the infielder side, a couple of Biloxi Shuckers, Jake Gatewood and Jake Hager who have um, put together really good starts to the season as well. And on the outfielder side, a, a guy that we talked about a little bit ago Monte Harrison of the Jacksonville Jumbo Strip now in the Miami Marlins organization and Corey Ray of the Biloxi Shuckers in the Milwaukee Brewers organization two really really entertaining guys to watch really fun outfielders to watch Corey Ray's Biloxi teammate Troy Stokes Jr. will also join him in the outfield on the South Division side so um, the North Division it seems like may have the edge in terms of its bats but the South Division seems to have the edge in terms of its arms that's going to be an interesting matchup in double-A on that side in the all-star game
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And and I'm really excited for kind of all-star season to to get going because, A, it means, uh, you know, guys are going to be recognized for their first half experiences and and their production and all that, and that's really cool. Um, But also, you know, it it usually – all-star season is the time when promotions start happening. You know, guys get recognized for what they've done. They either get to go to the game or they get it to add it to their resume, or in this case, their mill player page. And then organizations ship them on to the next place get them the next challenge. So uh, I would not be surprised if, you know, a lot of these names we're talking about now, even if they were promoted before the all-star games can happen and they don't always get to participate in those, but you know, they get the, the fun thing of saying they were, um, you know, that they at least were all stars in the beginning of 2018. So keep an eye on that. We'll we'll certainly be talking about those promotions as they come in the coming weeks and uh, obviously on the site every day whenever they come up.
0: And that'll do it for three strikes on this week's episode. Uh, one foul ball to get to. Actually, two foul balls to get to. One that just kind of happened right before the show. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have summoned Jake Bowers to the Major League. Jake Bowers is the guy we've talked about on the show um, a pretty good amount. And it's funny because we were talking before the show started today, Sam, and Jake Bowers, the fifth-ranked prospect overall in the organization, number 55 in all of minor league baseball. It feels like Jake Bowers has been a prospect forever. He's only 22. He's going to be 22 this entire season. Um, but this year, 52 games with triple a durham he's batting 279 357 426 five homers 24 rbis there have been questions he's a first baseman slash outfielder questions as to whether or not the power would be enough to carry him to the major leagues um, a guy who's not overly big in terms of playing a corner infield spot and a, a power outfield spot at 6'1 195 is what he's listed as probably a little bit bigger than that but um, just give me your initial take on this jake bowers news today going up for his big league debut
1: yeah, Bowers is one of those kind of confounding prospects, as, as you said, Tyler, in that he's very consistent, which is great. You know, that he, he's, uh, you know, pretty much everywhere he's gone between the Rays and the Padre system before that, uh, he's put up very similar numbers. Uh, and there's something to be said for consistency for sure. And, you know, he's only 22 years old. This is his second year at A Durham, um, you know, batting 279 with a 357 OBP, 426 slugging. Those certainly aren't bad numbers. Are they great numbers are they you know knocking down the door to the major league numbers I wouldn't quite put it that way but um you know the Rays are kind of at a point right now where they have a lot of you know talent right on that cusp Willie Adamas is another one of those he got to make his major league debut a little while ago you know whether Bowers is up for a while or not we'll have to see but Getting them that first taste, getting them a chance to see major league pitching, even if they're sent back down, they know what they need to work on, what improvements they need to make. Uh, you know, Adamus hit a homer off Chris Sale when he was up. So sometimes getting that experience and that positivity that comes with a major league call up, seeing you can do it at the best level against some of the t- top pitchers and, and you know top talents in the game overall, uh, can be really good for a player. So, uh, yeah you know whether bowers is going to tear up the major leagues i don't quite see that coming but you know we we we're seeing right now with i think austin meadows is was the nl rookie of the month for may and he was never somebody who really tore up triple a himself so it's possible to make the adjustments on the fly when you are in the major leagues Um, i'll be looking forward to seeing what bowers can do you know when he when he first takes the field for tampa
0: and uh, our second foul ball is back on the All-Star note. The Triple A All-Star ballot is up right now at MILB.com slash ballot, and you can give your vote to guys like Jake Bowers or otherwise. Uh, we hope for Jake's sake he's not even around in Triple A to uh, to be hanging out for the All-Star game. But the uh, A All-Star game ballot is up, and Sam, you'll have a tool shed actually giving us kind of a breakdown of what's coming up on that ballot. What uh, What stands out? What can you give
1: us? Yeah, so this will just be kind of like – the guide the endorsement i guess of toolshed uh which is kind of fun that I, I you know we're not political writers we don't get to really have our own opinion pages and all that kind of stuff and uh so we never get to make endorsements so this is as close as i ever get to doing that um, but what i'll be doing and I ha- i'm still working my way through that so i don't want to tease it out too much but uh i'll be you know picking one player from each you know the IL, the pcl uh, that I think you guys should vote for in terms of, you know, this year's AAA national or AAA all-star game in Columbus, Ohio on July 11th. Uh, so look for that on Friday. In the meantime, if there's somebody you want to vote for now without my help, and Lord knows, you know, you shouldn't just rely on me to for decisions in these matters, uh, go to MILB.com slash ballot and vote for yourself.
0: You can do that, MILB.com slash ballot. And uh, as Sam says, in Sam's words, don't rely on Sam.
1: It's true. That's what yeah,
0: we're coming true. to. Um, we're going to head back to Monday and the Major League Baseball first-year player draft round number one. Sam got to be there in Sacaga's New Jersey at MLB Networking, got to catch up with a guy who's got a, a really interesting background, a very fascinating baseball persona about him. He is listed uh, on the MLB draft tracker uh, round one breakdown as being a switch hitter and a switch pitcher, which he is. He is a catcher, but he can also switch pitch. He can switch hit at the plate. He was another member of that United States roster at the U18 Baseball World Cup last Last year that won the gold medal in Thunder Bay, Ontario, a team that as a staff had an ERA of, I think, 0.49 and threw five shutouts in nine games or something like that. And this was the guy leading that pitching staff from behind the plate. Anthony Siegler, now a member of the New York Yankees organization, at least in terms of his draft status, the Cartersville High School product from Georgia, a guy who the Yankees hope to sign and bring along into the tradition of great catchers in pinstripes. joined the show and talked to Sam from Secaucus coming up next.
1: So everything Tyler just said is completely true. I just want to jump in here real fast uh, before we get to our interview with Anthony Siegler. Uh, just because there's one question at the at the front here that I never get to ask. Tyler never gets to ask, uh, but this was such a big event that I couldn't hold myself back. Uh, if you've seen pictures of what Anthony Siegler was wearing to the draft, it was truly something. If you have, he was haven't,
0: resplendent.
1: Yes, please look them up. Uh, <laughs> he had what was basically like a seersucker jacket and then a pink undershirt. Uh, And then he had like a gold medallion and also a bow tie, a black bow tie. Uh, What stood out to me were the shoes. They were legitimately star spangled. Uh, It looked like you took the flag, you kind of made them into shoes. They were sparkly themselves. It was really cool. Um, So I get into that a little bit with him here, but I wanted to paint that picture with you guys before I get to ask him this question. So yeah, I guess I don't really get to ask this question much, but... Who are you wearing? How, um, how did this whole thing come together?
2: Uh, I mean, like I said earlier, I just went to the mall, just tried to uh, um, pick out what I, what looked good on me, and uh, probably, I guess, I, I wanted to, like, show a lot of color. Right. So I did that, and then the shoes just stuck out to me the best. <laughs> so I picked them
1: out. That's one way to debut on national TV, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> Well, take me through this. this is the, now you're in the room after right. all the build-up, after everything that's gone into the last
2: years, months, weeks, all that. What What are your feelings like right now? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm I'm just extremely thankful that I'm here with all these great players, Xavier, Carter, and the other college people, and uh, Tristan too. Um, but it's just it's just an honor to be here. I thank God that I'm here. Um, all the glory goes to Him, and uh, without Him, I wouldn't be here. So I mean, like I said, it's just awesome. Yeah, and I saw you talking to Tommy Osorda of before. What what comes up in that
1: conversation when you're talking to a guy who's been around yeah. the game that long? and You're uh, just starting.
2: Yeah, he's like he he's like I've heard about you. He's like uh, um, you're obviously gonna, uh, be league, uh, uh, you're gonna be a great big. You're gonna be a good big one day. And he's like, if you want to be great, you just got to keep in mind fo- You got to stay focused on um, things that's gotten you here. And uh, keep good people in your circle. Uh, push pe- bad people away. And. Uh just that, that was it, and just him pulling some wisdom on me, Yeah, uh, That's pretty awesome. Yeah, are you going to, like, write that down? You, oh, I do you mean, gotta lock never, that in? it's just you never forget about it. I'm mean, right. uh, Yeah, I'm going to uh, write it down, and then I mean, it's always just going to stick with me, just <laughs> being able to talk to him, because I mean, not, not a lot of people say, yeah, I had a conversation with Conor before. Right. so it's just awesome.
1: Yeah, let's talk about what's got you here. Everybody's talking about you getting drafted as a catcher, and you played multiple positions somewhere yes, sure. everywhere. When did it get locked in that you were going to be a catcher?
2: Uh, I think last my junior year um, I mean I've always uh, knew I was just gonna be a catcher but I could also play like other positions too so I mean uh, I guess this year was the first time I mainly played catching in high school mm-hmm. uh, and for my travel team I'd always catch but for my high school team this is the first time I've ever like mainly caught so right what was what was difficult or easy or you know what allowed you to make that transition to full-time catching? oh uh, I mean it was it was easy I mean there was nothing like uh, too difficult for me like, I've always wanted to be a catcher but I mean just being able to play other positions kind of is was, was beneficial too on just off days whenever I want to get my legs a break um, so I mean going to the transition of being a, a catcher all the time uh, being able to be mentally focused every day uh, with my pitching staff, just being able to maintain them and uh, help uh, all the pitchers out getting a lot of strikes Right,
1: when you said you always wanted to be a catcher, what drew you to that position? Uh,
2: As a young kid I I remember catching a lot and I mean just being able to like be involved in the play a lot just like that's what I love. I want to be involved. I never want to be out in the field uh, just like Getting bored, especially if like the pitcher is like kind of bad. Because I remember buddy, <laughs> some of the pitchers get like wild. You just like sit there, kick around the dirt. Uh, so I didn't ever wanted to do that. All and so catching, that's what intrigued me about catching. You're always involved. You're always, um, you always always not You got to be on high uh, alert all the time. so that's what I like about.
1: Right. And I know a lot of people talk to you about being able to pitch from each side, yes, but I'll, I'll kind of
2: flip it around. Have you ever tried to catch from the right side? I, I have not. I've never done it. I've uh, had that question a lot. I mean, I've never, I never tried to switch around and try to catch lefty or catch my catch righty uh but it i mean it's i've always wanted to try it so i might try it
1: right yeah why do you think that is why do you don't even think guys catch right-handed and throw left-handed?
2: oh uh, i mean it's just rare i mean not a lot of people do it and then i think uh it's just it it probably feel awkward i guess maybe right, yeah. but i don't know yeah
1: it might throw the pictures off i yeah. guess now that i think about it uh, like you said, you played a bunch of different spots. Some outfield, obviously, you have the arm to kind of move out there. Yeah, have you ever yeah. talked to teams throughout this process about maybe being an outfielder or has it all been catchable?
2: Just catches. I've never talked about teams being, I mean, me being an outfield. Because, I mean, if you're looking at me as a catcher and I say, hey, I can also play outfield. I mean, I, I know they know that in the back of my, their mind, but it kind of, like, and kind of, like, we'll say, like, hey, he probably wants to be more there than a catcher. So, I mean, I just, like, I love catching, so I'm going to just stick with catching right now. If they put me out there, so be it. Right. And
1: one way you got to grow being a catcher was last year in the World Cup in Thunder Bay. Yes, I, I know somebody was calling that series, and there were a lot of great pitchers on that staff. What was it like wow. working with that staff, and how did that help you grow?
2: It was awesome being able to catch all these great arms. uh I thought like Matthew Levitore, he's going early, I know he's going to be a great pitcher uh, as soon as he gets the pro ball and then he's going to excel in the major leagues, but being able to catch him and other prospects like Ryan Weathers, uh, Kumar and Ethan, that is a A great honor to catch them. Like you said, they're just great pitchers, they know where to uh, locate their pitches, so it made it easy.
0: Benjamin Hill joins us for this week's edition of Ben's Biz Banter. I don't know if we ever actually officially dubbed this segment that term. What we have officially dubbed about this segment is that we need to know where Sam is sitting in relation to Ben every week. What is it this week?
3: Man, coming coming in hot. <laughs> coming
0: in strong. Because la- two weeks ago we forgot, and then last week you got it in at the end. I totally spaced it. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss it this week.
3: All right, then. Well, uh, Sam Dykstra is sitting to my left here in conference room 5V, okay. In the Chelsea Market. We'll give away our location. Well, we'll be it's gone good. by the time by the time people come for us, it's we'll not be a gone. Live podcast, Sam. Yeah, it's not <laughs> live. Sam thinks we're live, but we're not. Um, and 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 fortunately, we also missed a fire alarm that was happening mm. just a few minutes before uh, before we did this segment. And one of these days, and I hate to jinx it, we're going to be doing a segment, and we're going to hear that uh, that alarm. And I think we should just power through. That's going to be the
1: day we do a live podcast. Is the day the fire alarm
3: will go off? Yeah, and also it turns out to be a real fire. Yeah.
0: Um, well, Ben, let's get in. It's uh, we've got a, an interesting story that's up on the site about one of the most unique one-off identities that a team has done for a game in uh, in recent seasons. And everybody's done the food identity thing, and this team, the Syracuse Chiefs, no strangers to that. They've been the salt potatoes um, in the past, and uh, but this time around, they went with a, a local element that's not food-related, and it is the Brannock device. And most people, even though you may not know the name. Brannock device you're probably familiar with the Brannock device but walk us through this whole promo from Syracuse's perspective
3: yeah well first of all I had never heard of a Brannock device uh, before this promotion Um, I'm gonna assume you guys didn't I mean correct me if I'm wrong Um, you know a Brannock device is the device in a shoe store in which you measure your foot you know the oblong metallic object and uh, I actually came across it you know in February and March when I was kind of combing through the Chiefs promo schedules I do all the teams and I was like What is this? And I Googled it and found out. And uh, Paul Lucas got wind of the promotion of UniWatch, Um, a pretty popular column about uh, athletic uniforms and whatnot. Um, He heard that the Chiefs were going to be doing a salute to the Brannock device. And you'd think that the Brannock device was super obscure and very niche and really wouldn't generate much interest outside of Syracuse. But Paul Lucas, who has a wide audience, um, loves. The Brannock device, you know, he calls it ubiquitous but anonymous, and he sort of loves those things in our culture that uh, play a real purpose, but no one really knows where they are, yet they're so ingrained. It ties into his overall uh, life philosophy. So he got in touch with the Chiefs, and then uh, Jason Smorow, the GM, kind of said, okay, there's a little interest here. He's a national guy. Uh, we didn't really plan what we we're going to do for our salute to the Brannock device, our salute to foot measuring, but we got some interest, and hey, we're open to things. So they went ahead, and uh, I'm sure with not much time to spare, designed the uniforms so that they could play as the devices. Um, and it took place last Thursday. So they actually, you know, you, Brannick devices is trademarked. You can't wear trademarked, um, you know, terms on uh, on minor league jerseys outside of the team names, which might be trademarked. Oh, that's um, but I hadn't yeah, really so they thought about that. Yeah, you can't suit up as the Brannock devices. I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but obviously things always need to be cleared uh, with minor league baseball. So they just went with devices, but um it's a salute to the Brannock device. They devised a logo that it's an anthropomorphic Brannock device, and that's one thing I love about my job is that I can always uh, you know use terms like anthropomorphic Brannock device and, <laughs> and and actually have it be relevant to what I'm talking about. Um and, you and, and can use and, them
0: at other jobs, it just probably won't apply to anything. People right, would you could, be, would you, be like, "What is wrong with you?" Yeah, yeah. You can go ahead. And, yeah, yeah. and people say, around your say, office saying
1: that."
3: <laughs> people say, "What is wrong with me?" All the time, uh, even in this job, as, as Sam can attest. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was it was a great night, and uh, Paul Lucas showed up. Um, I wrote a column about it with some of his sort of over the top but very um, you know true quotes in terms of how he feels about how much he loves the device. Um, some of the most interesting uh, player headshots you will ever see. Um, particularly the visiting team, which had the player's face within a foot. And if it was a right foot, that meant the batter was a right handed batter. And if it was a left foot, it was the left handed <laughs> that batter. That's pretty clever. I mean, just truly bizarre. You know, they showed clips of Mary with Children on the video board because Al Bundy worked in a shoe store. Um, you know, instead in the water balloon smash, instead of using bats to smash uh, water balloons, you know, between in and game contests, they used Brannock devices, et cetera, et cetera. Typical, typical minor league baseball. But uh, really one of my favorite promotions of the year so far, just because it is so obscure and specific, but yet so much detail went into it. And they got a lot of publicity for something uh, of this nature. And so I would definitely encourage other teams, and I hope other teams kind of follow suit, um, not doing Brannock device promotions, but to really take a look at their local history and say, um, you know, what has been invented here or what you know, very strange, obscure things are unique to our town and how can we really uh, blow that out?
1: Yeah, and how much easier is it? you said this had to be put together kind of last minute and you know, a lot of it seems like, you know, between the logos and the hats and what all, all the creative ideas that came of it. Um, but how much easier is it to do when it's not like a star Wars night and you have to get so much cleared? I know you said brain device is trademarked, but um, when it is so, such a local thing and such an off the wall thing and nobody quite knows what the standard is, how much easier is it to put together something like this as opposed to some of the other bigger nights?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've talked to teams about various theme nights where you get lost in a maze of, you know, <laughs> the corporate conglomerates and the chains, and you're trying to get permissions, and you you don't even know where to begin or where that entity is owned in some larger, uh, you know, corporate flow chart, and it can be very difficult to get to the right person and get the permissions and a ton of jumping through hoops. I don't know what the Chiefs went through, but given that the Brannick devices are they're not made in Syracuse anymore, but they're made in Liverpool, which is uh, very close to Syracuse. Uh, Liverpool, New York. Liverpool, New York, yes. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said it was very close <laughs> well, to Syracuse. Well, I know. I'm just, you know, people could be <laughs> shouting at their podcast device In right In terms now. of a
0: so, galactic yeah. sense, if people yeah, are listening yeah, on the right. International Space Station.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, so it's still made close by. Um, obviously, it's a, uh, a company with a very specific use, and uh, they don't get many of those requests, and it's a local team, and it's all good publicity, so... Um, you know, this one didn't. I don't think they even decided to play as the devices till after the season started, and and May thirty first they were wearing the jerseys. A very quick turnaround time.
0: It's pretty cool. The story's up on the site right now, milb dot com, and uh, segues us well into our next topic with Ben, which is a new book that is out from uh, Paul Caputo with a uh, an introduction and an edit from Chris Creamer of sportslogos.net it might be a name that you're familiar with paul wrote some columns for SportsLogos.net on the origins of some minor league team nicknames and he's compiled those into a book called the story behind the nickname which is really cool because we get these questions so often of why is this team called this and this is a book that dives into a lot of those identities and uh and pretty neat stuff
3: yeah it's one of the you know most enduring and uh popular questions in the world of the minor leagues is why are teams named what they are um and you know, I'm in a little break where I finished up my road trip material from the last trip and I'm leaving next week on the next. So I have a, a little bit of time to write some articles uh, not specific to that. And uh, so I talked to Paul yesterday about uh, how this book came about. And uh, I think a lot of people would enjoy it. Just, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you follow the world of minor league baseball. It's essentially 100 articles uh, compiled that he's written through the years in into one book um, that explain just that, uh, the story behind the nickname. And, uh, in every case, you know, he, they're active teams or if they're not active, they are recently defunct teams. And in every case he talked to, you know, team executives and or logo designers, you know, and got, you know, firsthand quotes and information about how these different things came to be. Um, so if you're really immersed in the world of minor league baseball, like, you know, like, like, like we might be, you might know a lot of these stories, but you know, it's minor league baseball. There's so many different stories. And, uh, I think to have a book that compiles so many of them in one place with good information, well-written, uh, seemed worthy of highlighting it and uh, so I did that'll be on the site uh, on Thursday the same day that this uh, very podcast debuts because we're not recording it live no we are not <laughs> recording it live. and having
1: you know gone through it um, so far you know how do you feel like it, it's a read for somebody who's like going on a road trip or something like that somebody you know we get emails tweets whatever from people all the time saying I'm going on my own trip which which should I hit which I look for um, is this something they should carry around as they're kind of bopping around certain areas.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't, it'd be up to you whether you want to carry it around, but absolutely. I mean, I think it's a, it's a great source for information, and um, I, I found this through my own job. Knowing about minor league baseball is so helpful in that it just helps you know so much about America, and that's one of the things Paul was saying when in talking to him. You know, every almost every team name you know contains at least some type of local reference. Um, so when you know the stories behind these names and you have all the foundational knowledge of so many stories just throughout America of, of things within these cities, small towns, whatever they may be. Uh, so I think it's really, uh, beneficial to, to read up on, on this kind of thing. And, you know, in talking to Paul, he's like, I have so much useless trivia and I feel like that sometimes, I mean, we just have so much mind league information bouncing around in our heads, but it really can be compliant, uh, it can apply to having a greater knowledge of America. And that's why I recommend reading uh, books like this and following the world of minor league baseball because, as you guys know, it's not just about sports, it's uh, about learning through the, the entirety of the country through all the 160 teams that play here. How else would we know what a Brannock device is? Exactly. Exactly.
0: That is true. Um, we may soon have a, uh, a team named the sod poodles, which is a, a local reference, I guess in Amarillo, Texas. And, um, Ben and I, a couple years ago, if you missed this, did an entire show. Actually, was that last season. We did an entire show on team songs. Um, uh, a lot that of teams that, two, are, years ago, yeah. two years ago, two years ago, team specific songs, you know, theme songs, rally songs, songs you play when you come into the ballpark, when you leave the ballpark, when they hit a home run, seventh inning stretch, all that type of stuff. There is already a song out there for a team that does not yet exist. And the, uh, a team in Amarillo. Uh, one of the possibilities for the name of that team is the Sod Poodles, and there is a song already out. It's up on YouTube. You're going to hear a little bit of it here uh, as we break out of this segment. But wh- how did you come across this song?
3: I um, think it was in a Twitter. It's a blessing and a curse, you know. I got <laughs> I got um, tagged on Brandiós. You know, Brandiós oh, that, that runs the name the team contest on their tweet announcing the five name the team finalists. Um, so, then for really the better part of a week, um, you know, my Twitter notifications have been dominated by angry people, most of them from Amarillo, uh, being outraged that this is the best they could do, these five name choices. And of course, this is a drama we see play out time and time again in minor league baseball. Um, so, I wasn't paying, you know, a ton of attention to uh, all the notifications I was getting in this, but uh, this. Sod Poodle's theme song was dropped on that thread at one point and I couldn't help but take a, a, a look and uh, a listen. And I actually liked it a lot. It's got some depth and some soul and and it seems very uh, um mm. to the extent that I know uh, what the people and sounds of Amarillo <laughs> are and um, but hey, it's minor league baseball We'll learn about Amarillo because it's part of the minor league baseball landscape, you know to go back to my original point. And I'm not sure if a song has ever ri- been written about a sod poodle before, so uh, it's pretty cool.
0: It's a, uh, a strong um, point in the category of sod poodles. I feel like none of these other team names, potential names, having a song yet. Sod Poodles is getting a leg up on everybody. Absolutely. He's Benjamin Hill. You can find him on Twitter at Ben's Biz. The blog is bensbiz.mlblogs.com. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, guys.
3: And uh, always great to talk to you, Tyler, and always great to talk to Sam Dykstra sitting to my left
0: sitting to your left and uh in both the left and right audio channels of your headphones coming right now the amarillo sod poodle song from one carson leverett on youtube you can find this song there in its entirety we'll hear a little bit of it right now carson leverett with uh, a song that as of right now on youtube is just called amarillo sod poodles well they ain't just like a little
4: yipping dog a little bit smaller than a big ground hog they run real wild and they smile all the time used to be called prairie dogs, but that won't work for double A ball when it's the bottom of the ninth and the game is on the line. They are the sod poodles, sod poodles, that's right, they are the sod poodles, and when you come to our rough and rugged town, you might laugh and point and say, oh lordy, man their name's insane, but you won't be laughing when you get beat down. By the sod poodles, sod poodles, that's right there, call the sod poodles. You won't be laughing when you get beat down. By the sod poodles, sod poodles, that's right there, call the sod poodles. Cheer them on, so they don't stay underground.
0: Well, we got some bummer news to wrap up the show with that just broke from MLB.com. Quote, Cardinals right-handed prospect Alex Reyes underwent surgery to reattach a tendon in his right lat on Wednesday, and he's expected to miss the rest of the season. Reyes, who was the Cardinals' number one-ranked prospect, made just one start in his return from Tommy John surgery on May 30th before exiting from his 2018 debut after the fourth inning. This is a huge bummer. Alex Reyes has been to say snake bitten would not even really cover it over the last couple of years, uh, for Alex Reyes. And this is just the latest setback. And, uh, you know, certainly time is still somewhat on Alex Reyes' right side. He's 23 years old, but after coming back from Tommy John surgery, uh, which he had in February of 2017, really before everything got started uh, with the spring training last year, came back, was fantastic this year, got things started, made one appearance in Peoria, one in Palm Beach, one in Springfield, one in Memphis, then was up in the major leagues, and now it's done. This is a, a real bummer for him and for Cardinals fans.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's such a bummer just because. He was so exciting to watch during, you know, all those rehab assignments and, you know, you can put those aside as, you know, it's rehabbing for a major leader, but he was so special in those outings. And, you know, the amount of work that goes into rehabbing a Tommy John, uh, you know, rehabbing from Tommy John, it, it's not easy. It's a long road. It's takes you know a lot of a work and a lot of sitting and a lot of telling yourself there's a light at the end of that tunnel and for him to get there and then you know have this other injury uh is really tough and you know the Cardinals seemed very happy and very excited about what he was doing and getting him back out on a major league mound I know they were saying that there were no restrictions on him uh going forward that they thought they had brought him along in the correct way and uh for something like this to happen it is really tough and you know the Cardinals have pitching depth so if we want to turn it to uh, what are they going to do? How are they going to fill that role now? I think, you know, Austin Gom- Gomber is there. Uh, they have a couple other really promising prospects in that double-A, AA, triple-A level for, when it comes to pitching, but nobody quite at Reyes' level. There's a reason why he was the top prospect in that system. And, you know, we'll be having the same discussion again next spring about what do you do with Alex Reyes and how do you bring him along so, you know, another major injury doesn't happen to him again. And that's just really upsetting.
0: MILB.TV has all of the top talent in minor league baseball. And uh, Sam, what are you watching on Milp TV this weekend?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually going to take this chance to to praise the story you did, Tyler. What? Uh, just the night before we Seems ran the— Fake news. Er, yeah, fake news. Yeah, all of what I'm about to say comes from Tyler. So if you need to take that with a grain of salt, <laughs> you go right on ahead and do that. But uh, Josh James, now the number 30 prospect in the Astros system, probably going to jump significantly from there when rankings are updated in the middle of the season, uh, struck out 13 batters last night uh, against Colorado Springs over seven scoreless innings. Uh, he has now struck out 80 batters in 50 innings between A Fresno and A Corpus Christi. He is currently slated to pitch next on Monday. Uh, normally we try to keep these to the weekend, but we won't speak to you before monday so hey watch a game on monday uh, against oklahoma city um you know this is somebody who recently discovered that sleep apnea was a big reason why uh, he had been struggling early on in his career uh, we talked a lot earlier about high draft picks this was a 34th round pick back in 2014 now become- a junior
0: college from oklahoma played one year of college ball then was gone from the baseball landscape for a year then resurfaced it at a junior college the Astros found him there, are picking the 34th round not real glamorous
1: right and he's really built himself into a a special prospect and in that or uh Houston Astros system uh Tyler did the story where you know he mentioned working with Max Scherzer which is really cool so go check out that story watch Josh James on Monday against Oklahoma City I guarantee you will not be disappointed
0: um, a guy who we touched on last week who made a climb since last week, the top prospect in the Milwaukee Brewers organization, Keston Hiura is now up with the Double A Biloxi Shuckers who are on the road taking on the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp coming up this weekend. Um, I just lied to you. They're not on the road. Oh, no, they are on the road. I was going to say they were at home, but they're not. They're on the road. They're I in Jacksonville. I just told people
1: you did good things, and I now you're lying to them. Fake what you news. Think?
0: They're not in Biloxi. Fake news. They're in Jacksonville. Um, the real news is they're in Jacksonville. N- neither here nor there. They're going to be on MILB.TV, and if you are not in Jacksonville, that's where you can find Keston Hiura. Um, through his first five games in Double A, as of when we're recording this, he's batting 353, 421, 471. So settling in just fine. Eight for his first seventeen, or six for his first seventeen, rather, um, with that Double A Biloxi team. And that's an inter- interesting group right now. And Keston Hyura is the type of guy. I don't think there is a ton that he's really going to need to refine before he makes the jump to the AAA level to Colorado Springs and maybe eventually makes it to Milwaukee. I don't know if that's going to be in 2018, but he seems pretty close to being a guy who is not necessarily a finished product, but as close to a finished product as he's going to be as a minor league player. Um, and being that at AA, I mean, I got a chance to, to talk to some people in the Brewers organization when he was promoted last week and the way people rave about him and how he just does everything on a baseball field. Keston Iyer is a fun- One to watch, so keep an eye on him, the UC Irvine product, who is up with the double A Biloxi Shuckers in the Southern League and that'll do it for this week's episode of the show before the show thanks for tuning in wherever you found us um, if you would like to send us your questions your thoughts we always get a lot of draft questions around this time of year so if you've got some questions if you're watching the draft or you've been following the draft on MLB.com whatever it is you can get in touch podcast at MLB.com Sam is on Twitter he's at Sam Dykstra MLB I am at Tyler Maughan our biggest thanks uh, once more getting a chance to, to catch up with a guy who I don't think you'll be hearing the last of And Anthony Siegler now the New York Yankees organization a really cool story and, uh, and one of the most interesting talents in the draft this year. Thanks to him for joining Sam from the draft on Monday in Secaucus and that'll do it for us this week. We'll talk to you next week.